Hey there folks, this is Rob Woods and welcome to the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is episode 106 and in case this is your first time listening, this is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and perhaps a little dose of inspiration to help you raise more money and really enjoy your job. And if you've ever heard about NFTs and wondered about the potential to fundraise through crypto philanthropy, but not known where to start, or whether it's even worth researching further, then I hope you're going to find this episode really helpful. Earlier in the summer of 2022, I caught up with a curious, innovative fundraiser named Nicola Gunn, who works for the Edinburgh Dog and Cat Home, to hear about what she's learned over the last couple of years about fundraising in the world of cryptocurrency. Last time, in episode 105, she focused largely on the progress they've made raising funds through token projects, which, for example, including one stunning gift worth £87,000, as well as outlining various practicalities and pros and cons of partnering with these communities. This time, I'm going to share the second half of that interview, in which she talks about non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, as a way to receive funds. We also explore some of the risk factors to weigh up and potentially mitigate if you decide to explore crypto philanthropy in your charity. So let's get straight into the interview. Nicola Gunn, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, it's lovely to be back. I'm hoping that the person listening to this episode will already have heard the previous episode you shared about the various interesting journeys you've been taking in the world of cryptocurrency and how that can raise funds for your charity. But just in case someone didn't hear that one, remind me, where do you work and what's your role? So I work at Edinburgh Dog and Cat Home and I'm the Director of Development and External Affairs. Thank you. And it's a it's not the smallest charity, but neither is it a massive charity with loads of resources and a, a massive, famous, famous brand. And in the previous episode, you were saying how over the last couple of years, you've had a really interesting foray into this world of cryptocurrency and how there's a set of people out there in this niche who really want to make the world a better place. And cryptocurrency is a means by which they'd like to donate. And because you and your colleagues have done some hard work to be in a position to accept that, it's really paid off. So if someone hasn't heard that episode, I really recommend they go back because of some interesting success stories that are really valuable. Just before we get into today's episode, which is going to be more about the NFT side of things, top line in terms of cryptocurrency, what are the two main ways charities can work to receive donations? So for us, so far, we have seen the most success through um, NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens. Most people will who have heard of NFTs will probably know them as digital artworks where people buy and sell digital artworks through cryptocurrency, but they can be used for other things. And the other successes that we have seen are through um, crypto token projects, so groups of people who are building their own cryptocurrencies um, on the blockchain network. So if you've heard of Bitcoin and Ethereum, those are two of the main cryptocurrencies, but there are actually thousands of cryptocurrencies out there and lots of different groups of people who are building them. So when I refer to a token project, that's what I'm talking about. Great. And like I say, in the previous episode, you went quite deep into how you've done those projects in terms of token projects. But you've also, in this world, been working with the NFTs. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've done in that space? Yeah, so the NFT groups are um, really interesting. For those of you that are listening have heard of NFTs, a lot of you might think of 
of the Bored Apes or some of the other big mainstream, really famous NFT projects where celebrities have bought into them. Bored Apes, as an example, I'm sure Eminem bought one and Kanye West bought one. So it brought them to the forefront and they were bought for a lot of money. Now, there are those NFT projects out there, but actually most of them don't make millions and millions of dollars actually most of them will make maybe tens of thousands some of them won't make any money at all Um, it really depends on people actually buying into the project and buying those digital artworks so some of the projects we've worked with um, a good example of one that we've had ongoing partnership with is called Sheba Shelter and they were started by two friends in Canada who um, one of them uh, him and his partner had owned a Shiba Inu dog and I think they'd rescued it. So they had a real fondness for the breed. And one of them and their friend decided to create this NFT project. And it was all little cartoon Shiba dogs with different different outfits and different accessories and things. And that was what the basis of their NFT project was. And as people buy into that project and buy their own NFTs, they really become part of that community. So they call themselves the Sheeps. So all the people that own a Sheba Shelter NFT become a member of the Sheeps community and get really involved in what that community are doing. So we got one-off donation from them at the beginning, but because we were able to really get to know that community really well. Um, As I said, the founders are in Canada, but the the people who are in the community are, are very much global. We were able to really engage with them via different mediums like Telegram and social media. And it's meant that when it's come to future crypto donations from them, it's always been part of a community vote to which charity they want to donate to. And we've pretty much always come out top because of the engagement that we've had with them, which has been lovely. So NFT groups are are quite different from the token groups because their project probably only has a certain lifespan compared to the crypto token project where they're hoping to build and build and build and make it an ongoing cryptocurrency that people use. So they're two quite different groups of people. There is some crossover though. And roughly how much was that one worth? So I think the first donation was around £5,000. And I think the donations thereafter have been around the same. So I think we've had kind of three or four donations from that group specifically. But we have worked with quite a few. Most, the, the bulk of the, um, so we've brought in over 160000 through crypto since we launched it last year. The majority of that has been through token projects, but that's actually because of the big one-off we got from Pothidium last year. So we've actually only had two token projects support us, um, whereas we've probably had about five or six NFT projects support us. It's just that their donations are slightly smaller um, than the token projects have been. Yeah. And if someone's listening and they're interested in the NFT projects, obviously you can give them some advice in terms of researching it. But in terms of the practicalities of this as a strategy, how do you find those that might suit us or reach out to them or build a relationship how do you do it i mean my go-to is always twitter (laughs) um you can the the vast majority of these groups will be on twitter and that's where they advertise and market their project so you can very easily find them on there just a bit of searching for whatever your cause is an nft you know if you're if your charity looks at after conservation of whales or something then go on twitter and see what comes up so they do a lot on there but actually the engagement with their own communities tends to happen a bit more behind the scenes still accessible for us but a bit more behind the scenes on maybe discord channels 
or Telegram channels. Some use things like Reddit. So a lot of the kind of engagement between them goes there. But the vast majority will have their own website. They'll have their roadmap. They'll have their white paper. They'll have what they're all about. Um, And actually, that's where you can look at buying their NFTs as well. So they're quite easy to find if you know how to look. But anywhere where social channels are available, that's really where they'll be working about. And if they're an active project, then um, you'll know from looking at their page. If, If they're no longer active, there just won't be that much going on but if they're actively trying to promote their nft then you'll see lots of tweets and lots of telegram posts and all the rest of it so it's pretty easy to work out which ones are still going and which ones are maybe a bit dormant that makes sense nicola and i guess you alluded to this in the previous episode but in order to be able to receive the value at all from an nft you do need to be set up to receive the cryptocurrency don't you through some kind of platform or wallet is that right So you can do it the easy way and accept donations through just setting up a wallet. Um, That is probably the higher risk way for a charity to do it. We opted to use a a platform, a kind of middleman to be able to accept donations. And we use a giving block. Um, And it just means they do certain checks and things for you around knowing your donor and making sure that things are legitimate. So things that we maybe didn't have the expertise for, they can do for you. There are some projects who may be willing to donate to you in fiat currency and cash they might convert it and make the donation but they're probably fewer and far between and i think most prefer to make the donation through cryptocurrency because that's the whole point in what their project is hi it's rob and i just wanted to jump in really quickly to let you know about our bright spot members club which is our training club for fundraisers to give you a sense of it here's what one member audrey said about why she's been a member of the club for the last four years I think it's incredible value for money because you get access to so many resources and you just have to be disciplined to access them. Um, It's all very well them being there, but you need to read them or listen to them and and go to the events. But if you do that, there's no doubt about it, you benefit from it. Um, A one day conference is all very well, but actually having something which you can drip feed through the year, you can dip in and out of it, just keeps your skills up. And it's things that you can talk to colleagues about, I've got a, a colleague that I met on one of your courses and we meet up on Zoom every six weeks and we check in with each other about how things are going for us and I never would have had that otherwise. So yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's a no-brainer to me. It's, it's such good value for money and I just recommend it to everybody. If you'd like to know more about how this training club works, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. Right now, Let's get back to the world of crypto philanthropy with Nicola. And are there any particular things you've learned in working with NFTs that uh, you think are interesting compared to what you might have guessed two years ago? Yeah, I think for me, there's a lot of people maybe who don't really understand NFTs. There's a lot of people who think NFTs are scams or a fad, which they may be. They may, they may be a fad, not a scam. Some some may be scams, but I think that's where it's important that you look on their website, that you speak to people. I think the main learning for us has been if people are willing to talk to you, give you their real name, go on a Zoom meeting with you, and they have a properly established website and roadmap, then it's unlikely that it's going to be a scam. If people are really kind of sketchy and don't want to speak to you and aren't willing to give you details, use their name, then it's maybe one you want to steer clear from a little bit. So I think it's just about recognising that in all areas of crypto, as the same in all areas of real world, there are going to be dodgy people and there are going to be people who prey on the vulnerable. And it's just about making sure that you use your common sense to steer away from those types 
types of people. And I think it's usually fairly obvious, the type of people who can be trusted versus the type that can't. So I think that's been our main learning. And I think there's a lot of criticism of NFTs, but our experiences, everyone that we've dealt with, have been lovely, everyday, normal people who are just wanting to do something something good and this isn't a fundraising example but it's just an example of the type of people who start up nfts there's an nft i follow on twitter called dad and kids nft and they're in scotland i'm not sure quite sure where in scotland but it's a dad and his son and his daughter who are quite young and the son and daughter draw pictures mainly of dogs and cats actually and they put them up and they sell them as nfts and i think that's just a really good example of some of the types of people who who are doing these things it's not just these young tech savvy 20 year olds but it's actually you know there's families and there's individuals and and they're doing it for all types of reasons so i think my main learning has been that is it's real people just behind a virtual platform that makes sense and in terms of the bigger picture of of everything we've been talking about in both these episodes you've recorded for us what do you think are some of the risks that a charity needs to be aware of if they're considering entering this space? So I've already alluded to the security side for us. That was about using a platform, withdrawing the funds straight away. The platform side, particularly for them, making sure that we're only accepting cryptocurrencies that are legitimate. And as I said, they do the know your donor checks. The volatility is a big risk. So again, another reason why we decided to withdraw straight away when we receive a donation, because crypto can shoot up and down within minutes, hours, days, and the value can go up, but it can equally drop. So for us, we felt that we had a responsibility to use the funds wisely and withdraw them straight away so they can be used to serve our mission. I think one of the big topics about cryptocurrency that a lot of people talk about is the sustainability, the environmental side of it. And I think particularly if you are an environmental charity or you have big environmental goals, you need to really think about whether cryptocurrency is for you. And if it is, what cryptocurrencies you accept. Some are greener than others. Bitcoin is one of the worst in terms of energy usage. So the reason why cryptocurrency is seen as a big drain on the environment is the energy use it takes to mine cryptocurrency so there's a lot of data use and bitcoin mining is is one of the kind of biggest there are many out there that are aiming to be more green and more sustainable and as a sector most people in the crypto world are looking at how they can be more green so i think it's a big thing to take into consideration it's something we had to consider we as a charity we have a sustainability working group and we have a sustainability policy but we are looking at it in the wider view of what we're doing organisationally and actually there's probably a lot of fundraising things we do or just general um, operational things that we do that are also not very sustainable so we're looking at reducing that as an overall picture and not just looking at crypto and also if you if you look at things like generally the way the banking system works and the amount of data involved in that I think there's an argument to say that actually cryptocurrency for us we felt was when you weighed up the reward versus the risk that actually we owed it to our mission to be able to accept cryptocurrency. But that might not be the same for every charity, depending on what your cause is. Thank you, Nicola. And so as we come to the end of this second episode to do with cryptocurrency, I know you alluded to it at the end of the previous one, but what could someone who's interested in exploring this do practically to start doing their own homework and working out whether this kind of strategy is for them? I think as well as speaking to platforms that you might want to use, like the Giving Block and and researching more about what crypto is, 
I would be looking at what is your cause, what's your mission, and trying to see if there are any other similar charities out there who are doing work in this area, because I would say crypto philanthropy is a bit further on in the US. So you might find that if you do a bit of Googling or a bit of searching on Twitter, you might actually find that there's a charity similar to yours that has had success or not um, somewhere in the world. So I think that would be where I would start. And if you do find a charity who's quite similar in nature, who is accepting crypto, see if they'll chat to you about it and see if they can share any, any wisdom. But there's a whole world of crypto investors out there all with different interests so there's a good chance that there's a project out there that could work with your charity it's just whether that would work in the long term I guess the other thing as well as the things we've talked about with security and volatility and sustainability another couple of things I would always consider is reputation and that probably goes back to you know are you environmental charity you're probably going to come under a bit of criticism there's a couple of examples of that the WWF were going to launch their own NFT program and came under a lot of scrutiny for that because of the nature of their charity. So I'd, I would just always think about reputationally with some of the considerations you have to make. Is it right for your charity? And lastly is the unknown uptake. Like we had a lot of success late last year, early this year. But at the moment, the crypto market's taken a huge dip. So we are still working with a lot of crypto partners um, and building those relationships. But at the moment, there's not a lot of money coming in. So I think being realistic with your expectations around uptake and being able to have that honest conversation with your board that actually there might be highs, but there's definitely going to be lows with crypto as well. That's a big consideration. Thank you, Nicola. That makes sense. And as we draw this to a close, if any of our listeners were interested, for instance, in your experience of, of working with the Giving Block, which is the platform that you found very helpful, or some of these other things, are you happy for them to drop you a line? Yeah, we highly recommend using Giving Block. We found them really useful. If you are considering signing up to them and would consider us making the referral for you, they very kindly do make a donation to us for any referrals. So if this has been helpful and you are considering taking it up, then please do get in touch with us and we can make that introduction for you. Thank you, Nicola. I hope many of our listeners will go down this route and thank you to the Giving Block for, for that hard work they're doing to help your good cause. Mostly, though, Nicola, I congratulate you and David and all your colleagues for the creativity and courage you've shown in doing this different type of fundraising. I hope it's going to inspire lots of other charities to dip their toe in the water and see if the opportunity works out for them as well. Thank you for generously sharing all of your examples and your advice to help them as well. And I look forward to watching this space to see what happens next. But for now, Nicola Gunn, Thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you found Nicola's examples and advice were helpful. If you did and you've not yet listened, please check out the previous episode she recorded with me, which is episode 105. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please do that now so that you don't miss out on all the other episodes we've got coming up, as well as access to the entire back catalogue with dozens of fundraising topics to choose from. For a full transcript and a brief summary of the episode, go to the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. Just before we finish, I have a favour to ask. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be incredibly grateful if you'd take a moment to share it on with your colleagues or on social media, so we can spread the word and help as many good causes as possible with these ideas. You can tag Nicola and I on Twitter. She is at NicolaGunn underscore and I am at Woods underscore Rob. We're both on LinkedIn. And finally, I'm pleased to say that Brightspot is now on Instagram at at Brightspot Fundraising. 
Thank you so much for listening today. Best of luck with your fundraising. And I look forward to sharing more bright spot ideas and examples with you very soon. <laughs>